Hello, welcome to Zero to Hero, our new series all about helping people get the business basics and feel really good about them, plus us just talk about cool things happening in the world of business. Today on our inaugural episode, we're going to be talking about how to prioritize and plan in your business because as we all know, it can be really hard when you don't know what to do to figure out what to do. And so this is a number one skill of business and really of life. So we were just at one of our favorite restaurants. It's called Mexiville. Mm. It's delicious Mexican food. I had a tamale today that was one of the best tamales I've ever had. It was delicious. Uh, if you're in Chattanooga, you should go there. Yep. See Martin. He's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. And and while you're over there, stop it, be caffeinated and get some coffee. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we were talking and Dylan, you were saying some really interesting things about when we were starting all of us kind of our own respective businesses what you were struggling with at the beginning that I think really will relate to not only me, but to a lot of other people. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about what you were struggling with and then that can jump into, into our big topic for today. I'd love to. Thanks, Michael. So whenever I first started in the business world and trying to like become an entrepreneur, I knew I wanted to start my own business, but I didn't really know what to do um, or how to do it. So I watched a lot of YouTube um, to try to figure it out a bit. And what I found was the most difficult thing was I knew what I wanted to do and had a good idea on how to do them, but I needed assistance with the steps necessary to take um, to get to that final product or to even get started with the process. And I found that the easiest way that I overcame this was by, I was able to overcome this was by, um, doing stuff with Nate. <laughs> Hello. So just having that extra, like that extra person to hold me accountable for next steps and things that need to happen was really helpful. And we were able to figure things out together instead of by ourselves individually. Um, so, and always two minds are better than one, four minds are even better. So, hey so we're reading uh, Nate out now, if you'd like to approach us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Goodbye. This is our new business idea. Nate, we thought this would be the most tactful way to talk. <laughs> Nate's great TM. <laughs> so, yeah, just being able to share that experience with other people and have a partner uh, that goes in with you um, to, to learn is yeah. super valuable. And I, I'm going to jump in and agree here. Uh, when we started Be Caffeinated, Doug and I, um, sometimes I, I talk to our solopreneur friends and I try and envision what it would have looked like for either just me or just Doug to have tried Be Caffeinated by ourselves. And uh, I've never had a, a, a fun ending in my brain. Like it's, it's just a million ways of how it would not have gone well. So uh, we were able to, when it was just us and we were working, you know, at the shop six days a week by ourselves, uh, slinging coffee. There was that shared camaraderie of the struggle and we got to share the, the responsibilities and we kind of settled into our own roles where um, I handled the boring paperwork stuff. He handled more of the kind of inventory stuff and that's still kind of what we do. Um, but we've been able to bring in more and more people on our core team, uh, which is super helpful. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the basic principle of economics where you get into specialization and like the, the general macroeconomics is country A gets really good at making wheat. Country B gets really good at, you know, uh, with cattle or whatever else. 
And so they're able to make a lot of each and then they trade the surplus and then everyone wins instead of trying to be good at wheat and cattle and whatever else. I learned um, this all from Catan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You got to be the sheep <laughs> guy and then you have a monopoly on the sheep. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same with skills. You, you, you don't. I mean, it's good to be jack of all trades, expert of none, and then the rest of the phrases, but it's still better than an expert of one. Um, but it's also, there's a huge value in being really good at something and tying together people's, not only their skills, but their passions together in entirety because everyone feels like they're having a good time. They feel like, I mean, they get value from it and they kind of increase their uh, energy and motivation. And then everyone just does better than if one person was trying to do it all or you're trying to do something that you're not passionate about. Yeah, I would say that this is a very important topic to discuss but in the entrepreneurial world because I feel that the entrepreneurial world has like a tendency to glorify the idea of like the solopreneur, the guy who does it all, who, you know, you get up and you grind and you're doing it all by yourself. And we really, especially on social media, we like to see those people as like these like alphas and these really powerful <laughs> figures who are just doing this incredible stuff. And like behind the scenes, they are exhausted. They are not having fun. Yep. And they're the people who a lot of times they are the fireworks. They show up, they do a lot of cool stuff for like a minute and then they're gone because they work themselves basically to death and right out of their own businesses. You can do more in a short time, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, there's no, I don't think there's a quality of life there either. Exactly. And I think, I think as a whole, everyone's getting out of the hustle culture and working towards more of a balanced culture, which I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not there yet, but <laughs> with our team, it's, it's definitely way better than we were at a year or two ago. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give a different perspective of, having for so long done the solo thing, uh, it is really hard. Like I think even more so than actually doing the stuff because so much of the, the battle of like what we were even talking about at lunch was so much of the battle is the mental game of, you know what to do, but can you get yourself to do the things you need to do? And for me, that was a really hard thing when I was in the, the wilderness alone. <laughs> and even, even now with my art stuff, I'm technically still alone. But just like doing the stuff I do with you guys at HiveThink can be caffeinated and just being around other people, even that helps so much just to propel me forward. And then also I'm at, for the art business, I'm in a studio surrounded by bajillions of other artists. So again, I'm no longer doing it alone, even though I'm technically a solopreneur when it comes to the art side. But for me, the years leading up to now, before all that, Doing stuff alone so hard because not only was I feeling so overwhelmed mentally and emotionally, but anytime I felt confused about which way to go on a fork in the road, I was the only person I could talk to. And, and that's probably not super healthy. It's not healthy. <laughs> and then also my wife is not a business person, so she can give great counsel. She's super wise, but she doesn't have the context of business stuff to really be able to guide me in a way that's more than just trying to be helpful, but really speaks from a place of knowing. And so, yeah, I definitely, partners are great. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the term for like sitting next to someone and you're working on different body things? doubling or body mirroring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's such a good thing. And, um, not to plug ourselves, but with the hive thing, coaching and counseling that we do with the accelerator program, uh, the Q and a is really good every other week to just be shoulder to shoulder with people doing the same thing getting to say uh or just listen to other people's issues and what they're struggling with and knowing that you're not the only one struggling with xyz because everyone's probably gone through if not the same thing something similar 
and they've either figured it out or learned something else. And, you know, it's easier to share that combined experience and try and figure it out for yourself. So it's really fun to work together and feel that camaraderie, even if it's not on the same thing, you're just knowing together that you're having that shared struggle towards something that you're fighting for. Yeah. And like, we've created this community of people that I totally feel comfortable with now. Mm -hmm. Like we've grown to like love and know these people that are just in this group with us. We just talk about whatever we talk about our business. We talk about personal stuff. Um, It's great. And it's just, we're around like our people and it's, Mm -hmm. we're able to like be creative and think outside the box and we're not stuck on an Island by ourselves where if we have a problem, the only person we can talk to about is us, Mm -hmm. uh, which again, isn't healthy or helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we've done a good job at getting people past the embarrassment phase of group working. Uh, I think, just with how silly we are in general, but also knowledgeable, it creates a fun environment for people to, um, like there's no such thing as bad ideas, you know, and and people uh, get to experience that and work through it. And most of, if not a lot of the good ideas come from something that's not quite there, but leads to a really cool idea down the road. And uh, in school, they teach critical thinking um, but when I was in college in a creative marketing class, they taught us creative thinking, which is kind of the opposite with critical thinking. You're trying to get to one thing with creative thinking. You come up with as many ideas as you possibly can. No such thing as bad ideas. And you try and just literally crank out as much as you can. And then from there you group them into similar ideas. You get the concepts of what that stands for. And then you try and funnel that into actionable items and a lot of times it's it's really freeing and helpful and it lets you come up with something that maybe you never would have like michael talk about the other day when we were trying to come up with some ideas for the uh um, oh, yeah the the game Making we do <laughs> yeah so if you haven't seen it yet i think by the time this will come out the f- first and second episode of making a million will be up so if you haven't go seen them go watch them now on youtube or listen on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts but for well, coming up with the different qualifiers of what business we were going to do, we were really blanking. We were trying to think of some fun stuff and nothing was happening. And I used a technique that I love for coming up with ideas, which is called the alphabet method, which you literally had a bunch of slots for I needed for ideas. And I would just put A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, all the way down to Z. And then I would come up with whatever crazy word popped in there. So alligator, banana, chair, whatever. And then I would go back and that word would trigger me to have to come up with something related to it. And so a lot of times it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay in its original form, but it's still, you have to have something to work off to get something else. And so sitting there trying to have no idea of where to go or what to do, and then just trying to force yourself to feel like, boom, I've got the answer is not how creativity works. Instead, it's often more of a game of addition and synthesis. So the whole no bad ideas, that's a big thing I used to do in like songwriting groups is that no one, we had to train ourselves to not feel weird about saying dumb things Mm -hmm. because you never know when, when you say the most ridiculous idea ever. And it's not what ends up being the last final idea that people choose but it triggers Nate or Dylan or Chris to come up with the next great idea that they wouldn't have had if I didn't say bat. And then they're like Dracula. 
And then from Dracula, all of a sudden, you think, oh, my gosh, what are things that suck up our energy and our time? Oh, we could come up with a product that's about that, so on and so forth. So you see how that, that works. It's super fun. Yeah. Uh, Nate and Dylan, are, is there something that you guys do with your interns at Scenic Trend to try and help them come up with maybe article ideas or stories or anything like that? For sure, yeah. I, I can speak a lot about this because I work very directly with our interns. So with our intern program, we give them a lot of freedom. A lot of the people who are, we are working with are local college students, and they are already involved heavily with the art community. So I try not to give them just, you know, here's the thing they need to work on. Instead, I ask them, what do you want to work on? What's something that you feel passionate about? And the result of that is you have someone who they're really into like this segment of the local music scene and they go and they write articles about the bands that they're into and they're the best articles we've ever had. Mm. And whenever like you let people like go into like their own passions and like lean into that, I feel like that's where you just get like your best material and not just like in like a publication, but in your business in general. We've had the same result with Becaffeinated where a lot mm -hmm. of our like drink of the moments and stuff like that that we've had be made have been creations by our baristas where they just really enjoyed it themselves and turns out so do the customers speaking of so we're about to do a and i haven't told you this yet so you're hearing this for the first time uh we're about to do a drink contest again with our baristas for the winter menu and we're gonna have submissions from our baristas in the top three that we choose whoever made it up gets a prize or whatever um so when this airs awesome. the winter menu will be out so you get to see the end result of something that we did with people chasing their passion. So, um, yeah, it'll be, we have about 45 briefs at, the, at this point and, um, we're just going to open it up. We'll have our own rubric that Nate and I and whomever else kind of make up, uh, not make up, but use. And that's how we'll judge which drinks we use and then we'll roll them out in a winter menu. So, uh, you'll get to see that end result when you're watching this. So. Nice. Yeah. I think that covers that yeah. Okay. Part. A yeah. little, a little bit oh, more when it comes to yeah. planning and prioritization. Yeah. Because we talked a little bit about just that that pain of the beginning time and how helpful partnerships are. But for those that are solopreneurs and you don't have a partner and and uh, you're still needing to figure out what to do, let's talk a little bit about what we do to prioritize and plan. Yeah. So the the cruddy part that's also one of the best benefits of being an entrepreneur is you don't have a boss which is cool because you don't have a boss, but also who tells you what to do, who sets deadlines, who gives you consequences. Um, so a lot of times the consequences are either not tangible enough to care about or so tangible that it sends you into panic mode, AKA not paying your taxes on time or, you know, whatever else. Um, so that's something that I personally struggle with. And I think I can speak for Doug as well that uh, he's had some issues with is setting your own tasks and goals and also deadlines and also making sure you actually do them because you know that like there is no real consequence for not doing this other than it not getting done. Um, mm -hmm. So that's hard. So I've, I've come up with some things that have helped, but I'm still perfecting it as we go. But what about you guys? What do you do? I know okay. Nate well, has this well, real quick, spreadsheet, I'm, but real quick, I'm curious, like what, what is like one of the biggest things you do that helps you when you actually are? Well, the, Biggest one I've done recently is Google Calendar. <laughs> if it does not, if it's not on my Google Calendar, then it doesn't exist to me. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's mostly for meetings, but I've also started planning out kind of day planner stuff. But um, so that's huge. And then lists are really helpful um, just in general, which sounds really simple, stupid, but uh, 
I just, even if I've already done it, I write it on my list and cross through it. Yeah. It just it feels good to, to cross it off. You deserve credit for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I, I think macro wise, something we've messed around with is the scrum method, which is helpful, but takes a little more um, planning and like uh, utilization. Uh, so if you don't have the time that you've set aside for that, it's not as beneficial, but if you go all in, it can be hugely successful. Um, and then finally just, uh, meeting with people doing touch point meetings. Um, I, we were having some issues with our managers just coming and talking to us. And so I started making them, uh, they have to have a meeting with me every month. I have a Calendly that I set up where they make a meeting with me and they're like, that's part of their job requirement now is like, they have to set up a meeting with me. So I took away the excuse of, um, well, I just didn't want to bother you. Like, well, no, it's part of your job now. Um, so that's helpful. And then I have touch points with like Doug and, um, some of our investors and, uh, like I meet with the Lynn Chestnut, the SBDC counselor every now and then. Um, so just having that accountability and people to bounce ideas off of and say, Hey, is it stupid that I want to do this even though I'm doing everything else? And then maybe they're saying yes or no, I kind of see it. And that's, yeah. that's helpful in either way. That's good. Nate. Yeah. So like Chris alluded to, um, I am a bit of a geek for spreadsheets. I, I love them. I probably, if I were to take out my laptop right now, I have like eight or nine Google Sheets uh, and various tabs pulled open. A lot of them are related to stuff I'm doing for Be Caffeinated or for my own social media work or for Scenic Trend. And also a lot of them are just my own daily planners that I go through. They're super impressive. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've been working out for a long time. Yeah, so what I think really has helped me because of like all of the different things that I'm doing is having a good level of separation and segmentation. Um, so a lot of people I know, so ever like I start suggesting make uh, a to-do list or make a spreadsheet of the things you need to do, is they just kind of put everything on there. And the result is you have stuff like, I need to do this essay. I need to write this essay right next to, I go to work today from one to seven. And those tasks have nothing to do with each other. They don't make sense uh, and when you actually think about like how they're being listed or prioritized. So what I think makes more sense is if you actually break things down into different segments of like, okay, this is my stuff I need to do today for be caffeinated. These are the things I need to do today for scenic trend. These are the things I need to do today for just my own personal well-being. And a lot of it's like super simple stuff where you think like, why do you even write that down? You know, like, why do you need to write down, check your email? Well, it's because I have five different emails to check. And it'd be very easy that you could go, okay, I'm going to check my email. You check that one and then you just get carried away with looking at something in that and never check the others. So just bringing it down to like super small segments is very helpful. And also having that on a list, they can actually mark off. As Chris said before, it gives you that little bit of satisfaction, that little like serotonin burst of I've accomplished a task. Even if it's something really small, that can help a ton. Like I know um, one of the biggest pieces of advice that people often give to those who are going through like depressive states or are having issues with just getting things going a lot of times is to just get up and make your bed. I've heard that a lot and that's something that I've really started to live by and I've seen that work a lot with people around me where just getting up and doing some small tasks like that, it just gives you such a good burst to start doing things. So um, going back to what I said before about like segmentation as well, by separating things into like, this is my caffeinated stuff, this is my senior trend stuff, this is my personal stuff. What that does too is now I'm not switching hats as I go through my list. Mm. It's no longer like, oh, here's my work and here's my personal and here's my school. 
It's, I'm going to do schoolwork right now. I am school Nate. I am thinking about school. I get school done. I'm not in school right now, but just an, just an example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I get done my schoolwork now. Or I'm becaffeinated Nate. I am focused on becaffeinated. I'm going to do a really good job because all I'm thinking about right now is how do I market this coffee shop? I'm not thinking about, man, those dishes, they're right over there. I have to do those next. I'm thinking about social media posts, batching, content, just getting all of that out of the way. Beautiful, Nate. It's beautiful. All right. So I love Nate's spreadsheets, but this is where it's actually, I think, really helpful because we have different kinds of people watching this and listening to this, and I am overwhelmed by spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> so to provide the the alternative view of what does that look like, like I'm super ADD brain and get overwhelmed by the minutia of things a lot. So for me, I... Often I'll first look at stuff and say, okay, what absolutely, if I don't do it, will result in so much stress and panic and bad things and people upset or disappointed in me. And I make sure that those are on the list so I get them done. Uh, that's like the old, oh, the essay's due tomorrow. Oh, I better write that right away. Uh, I do check for that. But the thing that I'm like, like, a, like a crazy hungry dog with a bone about is thinking about what is the next big result that I want in my business and then really making sure I have a good hold on what that is. And then if I, I usually set up what I call like the domino step, which is what's one thing towards that reality, that next big result that I want, that if I did it, it would dramatically move me closer to that compared to all the other little things that I could do that might be helpful or might be nice or might be cool or whatever. And I make sure I do that thing, no matter what that is. Like often for me, that's the thing that if I get that done, I honestly feel like I won the day and everything else is icing on the cake. And so then I'll set forth all the other little things that I could do that adds bonuses to my day. But it really is, I won the day if I did the thing that moves everything ridiculously forward. And whenever I am have been in those places with business stuff where I was really scared about taking that next step, like really getting started. Often for me, that one thing method really was the thing that got me moving forward. So it's not just any step, it's a massive step of something really important that makes things easier. And uh, the other thing I do outside of, I also do list. I love list. I use like the bullet journal method where I put a little dot next to it and then if I complete it, I exit. And if I didn't complete it and I need to reschedule it for another time, I put a little arrow. Anyways, if you don't know the bullet journal, maybe it'll help you too. Um, so check it out. But the other thing that has really, really changed the game for me going back to like partnership stuff is that even as a solo partner within my ARP stuff, I have a good buddy named Andrew back in Clarksville, Tennessee. And we started like a daily text accountability back and forth because he has the same kinds of goals that I have. And so we uh, just share what are we trying to do today to really move things forward. And then the next morning we report back. I did it. I didn't do it. Why? What can I do better? And uh, most of the time it's just that. And occasionally we really do coach each other more on, oh, we could do this better and that could be better. And ultimately that's like for me been the, the magic sauce that helps me actually make progress forward. And, and then the rest is uh, cool bonus stuff. Nice. There's also this graph that's one. It's called the prioritization matrix. And I've seen it as the one, two, three, four graph, but this one is slightly different that I found. But basically, it, uh, the x axis is low value going to the left, high value going to the right. 
and the y-axis is low effort going up high effort going down um props to me for remembering which one was x and y <laughs> totally impressed with myself just gotta be honest um but basically so anything in quadrant one which would be the the top right quadrant so that's low effort high value you absolutely want to do it now um the do next which is the bottom right quadrant so high effort high value is do next then you've got the top left quadrant which is low effort low value you do later and then the low value high effort you just don't do it um because it doesn't bring much value and it takes a lot of work so just just don't do it yeah. um so you can if if you work better with uh, quantification of things kind of taking your list of tasks and pr putting them in which quadrant they are so one two three or four and then starting with the ones moving on to the twos threes and fours might also help um and like michael was saying a lot of times that also uh gets rid of the um the funnels what, what's that word the bottleneck ah, it yeah. gets rid of bottlenecks that happen a lot and lets you open up into other things um and one other thing that's really helpful is um building out systems for your own success and this is something that michael helped me with a couple months ago but i was super stressed every month about utility bills because we have so many utility <laughs> it was bills. so many <laughs> I, it was over 30 bills that i pay for every month which is that's a lot it's it's too much um and it was a running joke at be caffeinated that if it was tuesday roast day the gas utility company was probably going to come in and say hey we're going to shut off your power if you don't pay the bill <laughs> or the gas if you don't pay the bill <laughs> which is the day where we need gas to roast um so we sat down one day and I just put as many of the bills as I could on auto pay. Um, and it only took well, like two hours yep. max. And there's only a couple now that call and say, Hey, you haven't paid yet. <laughs> Those great. are the ones that you couldn't good. put on you auto couldn't, pay. Either couldn't, or I didn't know the login or whatever. And so now I just pay those when they call me <laughs> and the rest are fine. Um, but just uh, taking the things that stress you out and just sit in the back of your mind and make you anxious and nervous and just finding a way to either, Delegate them, get rid of them. Uh, what's the... So it's uh, eliminate. If you can get rid of it, just get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, automate. If you can make it a thing you never have to worry about that gets done without like you thinking about it. Yeah. Amazing. Delegate next. Have someone else do it and feel comfortable doing it. Then it's optimize. Can you make it as easy as possible for you to do it if someone else can't? And then last but not least... Just do it. Just do it. Nike that. Just also. Nike that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's helpful, and I love that process too because it it's very systematically just improves your life, and you know, kind of like when you go through email and you you unsubscribe to things and then you never get them again. It's kind of like how it is. If you can start hammering down every week on these things that make you stressed, then you have more and more bandwidth to dedicate to other things. Yep. Nice, Dylan. You got anything nice. for us? I was going to bring up the matrix. That's what I use. Nice. Yeah. yeah. There you I go. Use the matrix. Uh, mixed with the Pomodoro timer, <laughs> which is something I've been. Oh uh, yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, you learned so, that in grad school. Yeah, that's for like presentations and stuff, right? No, it's for uh, tasks. Oh, so explain. It gives you like twenty minutes. So the Pomodoro timer gives you twenty minutes per task, just to do nothing but focus in on this one thing you're working on for twenty minutes, and then an alarm goes off, and then you have five minutes to take a break, yeah. like walk around, get a drink, get a coffee. And then after that five minutes, 20 more minutes, complete focus. And it just alternates 
And then about the third time, so after doing that three times, then you do another 20 minutes and then your break is maybe like half an hour for mm -hmm. like lunch. And then you just repeat until all of your tasks are finished for the day. That's awesome. I love that. I've nice. been slowly getting into to that habit, uh, but I haven't completely gone a, a full timer day yet. So yeah. That's my, that's my goal. Yeah. No. And I think that's awesome. I've, I've used that one before too and found it helpful, but in the same way, like I pretty much never use it for the entire day. I, as someone that likes lots of different tools and and gets bored of some of those same things, I like to say it's uh, tools, not rules. So sometimes you just have a great day and you're on the roll and you're like, I'm knocking everything out. I don't even have to use any weird tools to help me. But it's nice when you are struggling to have those tools to pull from and you're like, okay, is today the day the Pomodoro method works for me? Or is today the day that I need a body double to sit next to? And, and, and then you just know like, Okay, I have these these little tricks to use if I if I get in trouble. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, cool, super fun, awesome. Well, uh, all right. So there's obviously more to say about prioritization and planning, but that hopefully gets you started uh, and is helpful. If not, let us know in comments, whatever platform you're on, or email us at hivethink uh, info at hivethinkmedia dot com. And uh, yeah, but now we're going to move into the segment where we talk about something cool going on in the world of business or marketing. So we each have a little thing we brought to the table that we're excited about, and we're going to shoot the shit. I've got a timer on, so let's do, each one gets two minutes. Okay. Does that work? Okay. Yes. And I'll tell you when you're at a minute and a half. Okay, cool. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Let's Ready? Go. All right. This is the last week that I talk about Mr. Beast stuff. <laughs> uh, so if you don't know, Mr. Beast, a uh, crazy YouTuber dude with like 100 million subscribers, he just opened up his first official Mr. Beast Burger location. So not like a remote call-in one, but one with an actual location. And it broke the world record in the most burgers sold in a day by wow. three times. <laughs> they grossed. Oh. Over $65,000 in a day nice. selling burgers at a mall. Wow. It was, that is so insane. And this really just opens up again for me, the concept that attention is the most important thing in terms of like macro business stuff of where things are moving. I think definitely you could have a crazy successful business locally that doesn't have a lot of attention. But in terms of what, the way the world is moving, it's so wild that he could just come out of nowhere, never having sold a burger in his life, and then do the things that he's done. And it's because of attention. Like, the way he talks about it is, for those that do media, if you focus on making the best videos possible, you can do anything you want. And that's his, his super laser focus. And whether or not video is your thing, I love taking that concept from him of, what is the what is the like one or two things you need to be super laser focused on that if you do them all the other things you want are going to come your way and for him it was videos and let's see what he does after burgers <laughs> it's gonna be cool that's incredible mr b's vape shop yeah sure <laughs> that's next that's next <laughs> even locally though attention is important i think local brands can still get a really big piece of the local pie like in chattanooga there's so many mm -hmm. brands that just everyone pays attention to, and that's really cool. 100%. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Who's next? I can go next. Do it. Let's do it. Go. All right. We're going. So 
something that's really interesting, an article I, I read the other day, I've actually seen a few articles about this because it's so fascinating and so many people are just talking about it and thinking about it. But Gen Z moving into like the workforce mainstream um, on top of like the millennial audiences that is already like working. Mm-hmm. So like all these people in Gen Z, me and Nate's generation are graduating college. They're going out into the real work world. So, and it's being like, businesses are being affected by it. So in a way of hustle culture is starting to die out because people are so exhausted and COVID has shown us that we can work from home and still enjoy our nine to five jobs. And but, be more productive. And be more productive, <laughs> yes. So a lot of people and a lot of those in Generation Z are wanting to only work at places that allow remote working. Um, and there's actually a lot of people are, um, they, they did a survey and I can't remember the exact percentage, but there is a very high percentage of workers who said they would not accept a job offer if it wasn't remote. So that's something that a lot of uh, business owners are going to have to start thinking about um, for the workers they hire. And also Gen Z only wants to work in a work environment where they see a very, um, very high level of growth potential. So they don't want to go somewhere where they are this position and they're going to be that for the rest of their lives. That's super unappealing. And uh, Gen Z wants to be somewhere where they can grow and grow and grow and reach the top. Um, Oh, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. So that's going to be the end of my statement. So we're going to do remote baristas things. Remote yeah. baristas. <laughs> <things>. Remote baristas. <laughs> oh, I remember. So I, I, there was just one quote from an article that was really fascinating. And it was that Gen Z spends most of their career deciding on what they want to do for their like, living for the rest of their life. So the most of the time that... Most of the time that Gen Z spends on their career is thinking about what they want to do with their life. Mm, so they're working to live instead of living to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. As it should be. Yeah. You want to go or you want me to go? Uh, I can go. Yeah. Do it. Sure. So my topic is a lot less fun than your guys. Uh, so maybe a bit conversational. So there are a lot of like giant layoffs that are going on right now mm. with like very big companies, uh, Amazon, Disney, Facebook. Yeah. Twitter. A lot. Of, yeah. Twitter. A lot of very big companies are experiencing uh, large layoffs right now. And obviously that's awful for the people involved. I've personally seen on my LinkedIn where a lot of people are discussing that right now. And I think it's interesting though, to see like the ramifications of that from the standpoint of like, this is a big area of like corporate brain drain. And that coupled with like what Dylan is describing, how people are now demanding a lot more from their workplaces in terms of like what they are given and what they anticipate from their work culture. I think we're going to see like a big surge in professionals who are moving into workspaces where typically you wouldn't expect to see them. Mm. We might start to see more programmers from these big social media sites or hospitality workers from like these companies like Disney moving into more like local places, especially with like cities like Chattanooga that are growing as like tech centers. I think we're, we're I think that we're going to see big shape up soon. Yeah, I think if we keep getting written up as best work from home place in the <laughs> yeah. nation, we'll keep getting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's fascinating. So I'm interested in you guys' opinions just real quick. I guess what is what is like work culture and a cool working environment mean to you? Like what is what's the number one thing that you think either for you or for most people they're like looking for? I want to feel like I'm working with my friends. 
Like I want to have a good time while I'm working. I want to enjoy the people I work with. I want to feel like I can reach out to anyone and just talk to them about even something that's not work related and we'd have a good conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important for me is to be friends and enjoy the people I'm around. Yeah. I, I want to see my work affect the world around me. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for me is I think a lot of people, they can make a lot of money working at like a big company where even they can feel like they have friends and feel very involved in their environment. But if they are just another wheel in the machine and they don't feel like what they're doing is something impactful that they can like visually see that they aren't actually getting value out of it. Yeah, I would agree with both of you guys. And then I think the other things for, and maybe this is a personality thing, like segments of people, but in terms of my segment, a uh, huge one is flexibility. Uh, flexibility has always been one of the things that I've been really weird about, like bargaining with bosses about like, what if, what if we structured work like this, but I gave you this valuable thing in return. And so constantly thinking about that's really interesting to me. I think the other thing that both me and other people really like is knowing how to win, knowing like, is there a pathway of progression? Is there a place of like, if I do these things, right, I move to this position. If I do this, is there a ceiling at some point, unless I do some other kind of skill? Anyways, I think that's really helpful for people to know, like, how can I develop within this business. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, and on my end as a small business owner, uh, just trying to always listen to my people and when they say stuff like this and then figuring out how can I provide that? How can I do that? Which, you know, yours, I, I don't think I can really help too much. Like if you were working for me, cause it's up to you to make friends, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like, you know, trying to make an environment where people can hang out. And I guess it would be creating out of work functions where people can hang out and you really build up that camaraderie. Um, yours is making an impact that you can see and like, you know, our give back programs and stuff where you work with local nonprofits and other businesses is really impactful. Yours, you basically work whenever you want to. Um, and I think on the kind of give and take side, all I really ask for, I say, I ask for a lot, but the main thing I ask for is just kind of respecting uh, the, the whole Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. I fully believe in um, employee empowerment and uh, placing a high trust in people and just wanting that trust to be placed back and then respect that and, and understand that I'm giving a lot of power and I respect you know it to be reciprocated. Um, and then if that trust is broken, giving a chance to earn it back, but also you know that's when you kind of have to be a little harder and I haven't had that with you guys obviously but yeah um, but it's important stuff that if you don't important. think about it's gonna be potentially bad at some yeah. part of the wrong road I, exactly I, I would also argue that like by feeding into those things that we're discussing you can create that system where people can be more trustworthy mm -hmm. if you're friends with your co-workers you don't want to let them down because yep. then you're laying down your friends or if you feel like the work you're doing is having a positive impact on the place around you mm -hmm. you don't want to slack you want to do a good job so and you want to show up in the morning and exactly yeah and I, I do think they're all connected to each other and everything just it's a it's a serpent biting its own tail like yeah all. A virtuous cycle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then my fun thing, let me turn on my timer. Uh, so I've been listening to how I built this a lot by Guy Raz. As you all know, it's the kind of the running joke now, but I recently listened to the Howard Schultz episode who was um, the CEO of Starbucks and then wasn't, and then was, and then wasn't, and now mm. is again. Um, and it was a fascinating journey, especially for someone that owns, you know, drive through coffee shops. Uh, 
But one of the things that stuck out a lot was he, so at one point, first of all, Starbucks started off as a wholesale bean and tea company. They didn't even sell drinks. Huh. I didn't know that. That was fascinating. Um, the, the history of Starbucks is really cool. Um, like them or not, you know, I have my own feelings about them, but it can't be argued that they paved the way for third wave coffee to exist at all. Um, so without them, we would not exist where we are today. Uh, as a coffee uh, brand, but they Starbucks tried to roll out when they were starting to do their food stuff. They did grilled cheese sandwiches, which makes sense. It's a thing. Uh, But then apparently it made all of their stores smell like cheese (laughs) (laughs) and it was a huge problem. And Howard Schultz kind of talked about on this episode that on paper, it made complete sense. It it was super viable. The numbers looked good because it's bread and cheese. Mm-hmm. People like it. It was, I mean, they're C- from Seattle. So like, that's a normal thing to eat in the cold, you know, soup, that and the coffee. Um, but it ruined the entirety of the experience because you walk into a coffee shop and you smell cheese, <laughs> uh, which isn't great. So uh, kind of the, the takeaway from that is even if it's great on paper and even if it makes sense, you have to every decision you make, you have to look at it holistically and see how it affects the other uh, tacits of the business and how it interacts with the other things that are important. And if you don't care that your place smells like cheese, that's fine. But if your whole brand is built on creating experience, uh, experience and creating that third place environment, then you probably want that customer experience to be less cheesy, more coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought was interesting from, from that episode. So very nice. Well, awesome. Uh, yeah, just to wrap up, uh, we just a couple minutes left. Uh, anyone got any cool things going on in your own business that we very quickly, like speed round, want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, we're building out a bakery, which is cool. Have bagels soon, but I feel like I've been saying that for a while. So. <laughs> bagels, bagels. I, I agree, with Chris. We're very much in a transition time. I think we're, mm. we're we have a lot in the oven. Uh, as uh, as good one, sports man. teams call it, we're in a building season. Yeah. In a building <laughs> season. Nice. That's cool stuff. For yeah. me, working on a commission, I don't do a lot of landscapes with houses, so it's a fun challenge, but I'm having a, I'm having a fun time with it. It's cool. Nice. nice. It's going to be beautiful, Michael. Thanks. As always. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been Zero to Hero, first of this new little series for you. So we'll catch you again soon. And uh, next time, next week, check us out for another Making a Million. Bye. 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 Goodbye.